by asking you a few questions just to kind of get us thinking a little bit. If you could pick one person, maybe you have this now, uh, maybe, maybe you don't feel like you have this, one person that uh, living or has passed away that you could have their approval, that you could have their approval. Do you have someone that comes to mind? Someone, as I said, they don't have to be living now, but someone that, that if they came to you and said, I just want you to know how pleased I am with either the person you are today or the job you're doing, or I am, I just want you to know I am pleased with you. If you could pick one person that would do that, do you have somebody come to mind? Your youth leader. Okay. Now, for many, you have somebody that probably popped into your head right away. Maybe it's a parent. Uh, maybe it's a spouse. And as I said, it could be somebody that you know you have their approval now. Um, maybe it's someone that, uh, maybe a parent that you've strived to hear them say that and it's never come about. If I were to ask you, Today, would God say that he is pleased with your life? Now, this is just something for you to think about. How would you answer that? If God were to, if we were able to uh, have him here, sit down with and, and all of us walk before him and he could tell us if he was pleased with our life or not, what do you think he would say? Would you say that God is pleased with all mankind? Very clearly, no. Uh, those living in rebellion to him, it's very obvious, no. Would you say that God is pleased with all, all of those who are believers? No. I, I, once again, I think we would say no. But in thinking about this, I think there are times where we might confuse God's approval and God's pleasure with God's love. We know that God loves all mankind. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But I think of it in light of this, those of you that have kids, you love your kids, but are there times where you're more pleased with them than others? Yes. I don't think you're a bad parent by saying that. Uh, if you're in the grocery store and your, your child asks very nicely, could we buy this? And you say, no, we're not going to get that. Okay, thank you. You're, you're probably going to be pleased with that answer. If, you say, if they come to you, I want this. Can we get this? And, or they just try throwing it in the cart. And you say, no, we're not buying that. And they have a meltdown on the floor. We've all seen other kids act like that. Not our own, of course. I have a feeling you're not quite as... You don't find as much pleasure in that, maybe more embarrassment than pleasure. So in our own lives, in, in just in our kids, now your love is constant for them, but there are moments where you are well pleased with the way that they are acting. And from a young age, we all live desiring to please certain people or, and starting out, 
uh, as kids, you desire to please your parents. It doesn't take long for a, a baby even to realize what pleases their parents or gets a laugh or gets a smile. And kids will then do that to a fault, won't they? They'll just keep doing it because, man, that got the response I wanted. Um, many times as people, we live for the pleasure of others, where we seek to get their praise. Um, Sean Johnson, which many of you know, the um, Olympian, talks about how that just drove her to the point of she couldn't go on anymore, uh, living for to try to achieve what everybody thought she should achieve, to be the person that they thought she should be, um, to, you know, to just striving. She just worked and worked and worked to the point of exhaustion, to the point of finally she stopped and said, I can't do this anymore and surrendered to God. Many live for self-approval or self-pleasure, you could say, where Really, it, could, it doesn't matter if the whole world is against them. They don't care as long as they're happy. And they almost seem happy to make everybody mad around them. But then, obviously, as believers, we know that we should be striving to live for the glory or the pleasure or the approval of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be looking at, obviously, even in just saying that, you think of the, the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. But uh, we're going to be looking at uh, how to live a life that is pleasing to God. That hopefully as he looks on us as his children, that it is with, with delight. It's not as a parent when your, your child is behaving in a way that they shouldn't and, they, and you're saddened and embarrassed. And in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. And before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. By faith, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that you truly would guide our thoughts. Lord, I ask that you would guide uh, what comes out of my mouth, that it would be pleasing to you, that through it our hearts might be challenged, that we might understand your word, and that, more importantly, that we would uh, become more obedient to it. Lord, I thank you that we have your word that we're able to open, that we can read from it, that we can really see your heart through it. Lord, just guide our time together this morning that your name might be glorified. Uh, we don't ask that for any of our own glory, only that you might be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So in this passage here, obviously, it's the main theme of this is talking about the faith of these uh, these people. And we could read on and uh, hopefully tonight we'll be looking more in depth of the issue of faith out at uh, Praise in the Park. But this morning I want to look at here in verse five and then again in verse six, it talks about that that Enoch, the testimony he had before he was taken away was that he pleased God. And then it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So for you and I, how can we live a life that is pleasing to God? Well, first of all, I don't want to skip over this. It seems obvious. But first of all, we must be born again. Until we've come to that point where we have cried out to God for salvation, where we have seen our own sinfulness and helplessness apart from him, until we see our need of him for salvation and humbly knelt at the cross and received him, we cannot live a life that is pleasing to him. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The faith of salvation. In Romans chapter 8, it says that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So very clearly in some of the first questions, is God pleased with all mankind? No, clearly his word teaches that those who are still in the flesh, those who have not received the spirit, cannot please God. Apart from salvation, you and I are in opposition to God and therefore are not are not able to please him to bring his approval. Faith in your life and mine shows itself by a changed life. So faith shows itself by a changed life. Uh, there should be evidence of you being born again. Uh, your life should not be the same as it was before you came to know Christ. Uh, even if you came to know Christ as a young age, the Holy Spirit is working in you to shape you into becoming more like himself. And we'll get to that more later. So first of all, Do you know for sure that you are a child of God? Have you called unto him for salvation? But then how to live a life pleasing to God is one that walks in uprightness or walks in righteousness. Uh, In Proverbs 8 and verse 13, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate that the fear of the Lord to walk in the fear of the Lord is to hate those things. In First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 17, it says, I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. But he says, O Lord, In all this, I know your heart, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in the upright heart. Obviously, this goes back to the starting point of salvation. But are you walking in righteousness today? Not only in surrendering for salvation, but then walking in uprightness. But then we must, in order to live a life pleasing to God, be fruitful in good works. Many of you probably have gardens at your house. Uh, Some of you may have got a little tiny bit of rain last night, and uh, we're hoping for more for your garden. 
we have different things growing in our garden. And by the seed, we know what we are growing. Can you imagine if God was not a God of order, but of, of chaos and you planted a seed in the ground and it could grow an entirely different fruit or vegetable. Can you imagine putting corn in the ground and expecting Iowa sweet corn and getting tomatoes? Gross, right? I, I'm, I say that because I know a lot of you like tomatoes. But can you imagine if God was not a God of order? And when we planted stuff, we had no idea what was going to actually grow up. Um, maybe you've planted some seeds that were left over and you couldn't really tell what they were. And you're like, I might as well just stick them in the ground and see what see what happens as believers. We should be producing uh, the fruit of righteousness in our life. We should be fruitful in good works. In Colossians one, it talks about that we need to be fruitful unto good works. And so my question this morning is what's growing in your spiritual garden? What is the fruit or what evidence do you see coming from your life? What is being produced in your garden? So many things in our garden right now, they, they grew fairly well this spring, but because it's getting dry, now they're starting to not produce like they should have. Um, and of course, we could dump tons of water on them if we wanted to. But because they're hitting this dry season... The production is not there. As a believer, there might be moments in your life where you go through difficult times, maybe dry seasons of your life, but there still should be fruit that is being produced. So I ask you, what evidence or what fruit is there in your life if we were to examine that is being produced? Matthew 7 says that by their fruit, you shall know them, that by the fruit that's coming from your life, we will know. Um, In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16, it says, doing good and sharing brings God pleasure. Hebrews 13 and verse 16 says, but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. So by simple acts of kindness and doing good to others, you are bringing the pleasure of God when you, instead of wanting to, oh, I don't feel like doing this, I don't feel like helping out with this, Wednesday comes, man, I really don't feel like going and passing out the Gospels of John. I know I should, but I really don't. By doing good, you are bringing the pleasure of God. And not only that, It brings joy to your life as well. Have you ever seen your kids share something without being asked? Maybe you have to really think hard about it. But it brings pleasure when you see, especially if they share candy, right? If they share candy, you know, and you didn't like force them to do it or twist their arm or anything. But when you see them share just because they they felt like it, as a parent, man, your heart is overjoyed of, man, I am so glad they did that. And when we are doing good works, and it says sharing, it brings God pleasure. So if you want to live a life pleasing to God, start by doing good works and sharing. But then going on, it says that we bring God's pleasure by praying for others. How much of your prayer life is is spent 
praying for someone besides yourself or your immediate family. So how much of your prayer life is spent praying for someone besides yourself or your immediate family? In 1 Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 it says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peace, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. If you were to look at your prayer life, Is it mostly filled with your own concerns, worries, or are you interceding on behalf of others, praying on behalf of them, taking their needs before our Heavenly Father? And it says prayers for all men, and it even mentions those in authority. We ought to be praying for those in authority. Now, there might be some who are in authority that it's easy for you to pray for them. Maybe you like what they're doing, and you say, man, I can really get behind and pray for them. But there might be others who it's very difficult for you to pray for them. Just saying their name maybe is difficult for you. But are you interceding on behalf of them, praying that God would work in their lives and that God would work through them? But it also says giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. How much do you give thanks for those around you? Generally, we as people do a, do a poor job of giving thanks. In all things, but especially for those in our family. Oh, they know how I feel. Yeah, but nobody ever gets tired of hearing how you appreciate them. Or those in your church family. Man, I saw you doing this. I I appreciate what you did here. Giving of thanks. So pray for all mankind taking their needs before the Lord. But then a life that is pleasing to God is one that is filled with obedience. Um, I can't even say obedience without thinking of that song that we sing. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. So we may say that we have faith, but if we're not obeying, then we are not showing what we believe. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 You remember uh, Saul had gone and had won the victory and God had told them to destroy everything. And 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22, it says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Um, Back up to verse 21, it says, But the people took of the plunder sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have not been, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord, your God in Gilgal. So we took these things because we wanted to sacrifice them to the Lord because we know you delight in burnt offering. And Samuel says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. God places a very high priority on obedience. So are you being obedient to what God has prompted you of today? In his word, his Holy Spirit's promptings. 
Are you quick to obey or every time God is teaching you something new, is it a constant struggle of whether you're going to obey or not? In James, which we studied this past year, uh, it talks about that we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. The start of it is we must be hearing the word of God. We must be students of it and hearing it. But then if we just hear, it says that we are deceiving ourselves, that we must be doing what the word of God teaches. So quick to obey. Obedience plus anything else is disobedience. So obedience plus delay. Yeah, I'll do that, God, but I have other things that I need to get done. No, that's not obedience. Obedience plus excuses. That's not obeying. So God delights in obedience. But then a life pleasing to him is one of humility. In James 4 and verse 6, it says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride is thinking that I can live life without God. Now, it might manifest itself only in certain areas. It might show itself only in a few areas. But in those areas, what we're saying is, God, I can handle this. I don't need you in this area. I have this under control. Pride is living for my own pleasure instead of living for the pleasure of God. Uh, We see the example of Jesus is the ultimate example of humility, of humbling himself. Philippians talks about even to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And think about that when maybe God is teaching you humility and it's difficult. Think of here, the creator of the universe humbled himself and became a baby. Babies are pretty helpless. And think of the humility. And not only that, but it says that he humbled himself and died on the cross so that you and I might have fellowship restored with him. But then in Romans chapter 12, we see that a life that is pleasing to God is one where our mindset is that we are a living sacrifice. Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That we ought to live life in a way that we are being obedient. God delights in obedience more than burnt offering. But our lives should be a living sacrifice unto him. A sacrifice does not have any rights in and of itself. It is 100% committed. There's no 50-50. It's not, oh, I'm partially committed here. Nope. As I view my life as a living sacrifice to God, I know that it is entirely his. It is not my own because I was bought with a price. And so as God works in my life, I am not kicking against it, but I am quick to submit and quick to obey. So do you view your life as a living sacrifice before him? But then a life that is pleasing to the, to the Lord, Colossians chapter 3 says in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in the Lord in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. We talked about how obeying God brings his pleasure or his approval. But it says that children, when you obey your parents, that this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And this is the same word that is used in Romans 12 where it talks about a living sacrifice that is acceptable to the Lord. 
So that by obeying your parents, you are as a living sacrifice bringing God's pleasure. So do you think God knows that your parents are not perfect? He knows them better than you know them. He knows them better than they know themselves. And yet God says to obey your parents brings pleasure to the Lord. But then last last point here, how to live a life that brings pleasure to God is lead others to Christ. In Luke 15 and verse 7, it says that there will be rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner brought to repentance. Do you want to bring rejoicing in heaven? Live in a way that brings others to salvation. How much of your time, as you go throughout the week, do you think about the lost around you? So as you go to work, as you go to the store, as you go to the park, is it on your mind of, not, oh man, look at all these sinners around me. No, that's not what I'm saying. Is it on your mind of, look at all these people who are in desperate need of the Lord. If I'm living for self, then I don't see their needs around me. I see my needs. Oh man, can you believe this? Five people in line at high V and only two, two spots open. Now I have to wait in line. They're slowing me No, see, I'm living, I'm seeing my own needs instead of maybe seeing the the person that's the cashier that's struggling to, to figure things out on their first day and they're nervous and people are getting upset. Do you see the needs of those around you? Do you see how much they need Christ? And are you living in a way to be a light to them? By simple acts, but as God then opens the door, by planting that seed. Uh, might be something as simple as passing out the Gospels of John. Uh, that's why I love doing that. Is It's getting us out and it's getting the Word of God into people's hands. It's actually showing that maybe we do believe that people need the Lord. We're doing something about it. So how much do you believe that people need the Lord? Very quickly, I want to just look at uh, five blessings from living for God's pleasure. So these are benefits that come as you live for God's pleasure and not your own. Five blessings that come from it. First of all, it solves our self-worth problems. As I'm living for him, I see myself in a clear light. And instead of looking for self-worth from other people, which you may get, you may not get, More often than not, you're probably not going to get it. By living for him, he has clearly spelled out for us how we might bring him glory. And by living for him, it solves my self-worth problems. By living for his pleasure, it fills me with boldness. When I am doing what God has commanded me to do, it doesn't matter if people are criticizing it. It doesn't matter if things aren't going the way that I want them to go. My part is obedience. As I'm obeying him, the results are up to God. As I'm obeying him, I'm doing my part, and that gives me boldness. 
I don't have to worry about this or that or what's, what if this happens? Nope. I'm trusting that to his hand. But then another blessing for, from living for God's pleasure is it helps me resist temptation. When my focus is on him, I'm staying faithful in his word. I'm growing in him. And I know the victory that comes from a close walk with him. So as I'm living for him and his pleasure, then it helps me resist temptation. I encourage you this week to to think about it. In this instant, would God be pleased with the way that I'm acting here? Would God be pleased with what I'm thinking about right now? Would God be pleased as I'm getting upset at this this person driving too slow in front of me? Would God be pleased? I encourage you to think about that this week because it helps change your focus. And I guarantee you it will help you in facing temptation to no victory. But then a blessing that comes from living for God's pleasure is we will be growing more and more in him. As we live for his pleasure, uh, 1 Thessalonians talks about we will abound more and more in him. Because I'm seeking him, I'm seeking his ways, and I can't help but grow. But then uh, living for him will strengthen your home. Homes around us are in desperate need. And the answer, obviously, is Jesus. And the more I live for him, and I'm thinking about, will this action bring God's pleasure? Will this attitude bring God's pleasure? It helps me become a better husband, a better father, a better friend. It helps me to be the person that he wants me to be. But then it also will bring lasting reward. In 2 Timothy 4, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. Therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me in that day. If you live for the, your own pleasure or the pleasure of others, it will give a reward, not a lasting one, not one that satisfies. But as you live for God and his glory, it will bring eternal rewards. So we've said before that there's only two choices on the shelf. Do you remember what they are? Pleasing God or pleasing self. Now, I wish it was as easy as one time we choose to follow God and, man, we we have it made for the rest of our life. But it's a constant battle, isn't it? Where almost moment by moment, we could be all day doing a good job of, of trying to live for God in his glory. And then something happens and our attitude changes and we're focusing on the wrong things. And immediately we're beginning to live for self. It's a constant battle, and that's why heaven looks so wonderful, because that battle's finally over with. It's not that constant, am I going to live for God or am I going to live for self? So this morning, two choices on the shelf. Are you bringing God's pleasure by the way you're living, or are you living for self? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so easy to be consumed with this life and to be living for all the wrong things living for self, living for even family, which is a good thing that you gave us. But if I'm living for their pleasure and not yours, then I'm taking the gift that you gave and I'm abusing it. 
Lord, I pray this week, I pray today that we would have on the forefront of our mind that in each action, in the words that we say, even in the words that we think, that we would think if they are pleasing to you. Lord, I know as we do that and as your spirit guides, it will change the way that we speak, the way that we treat our family, the way that we treat our neighbors, the way that we treat our co-workers. And Lord, in all of that, as, as we are transformed, I know that your name will be praised. That transformation is nothing of our own doing. It is all you and only you are worthy of the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Just want to take a moment to...